We're going to take a detour from the Summer of Dreamcast to talk to Jason Canham of Now Household Games, previously of Drinkbox Studios, discussing things like speedrunning. And, of course, we needed to go in-depth on the new NES Classic Mini that Nintendo has announced. Some really cool stuff going on and just some awesome, great general retro talk and some development talk as well some of his inspirations and maybe what to expect from household games in the near future it's all coming up right now on back of my play To back in my play, my name is Kevin Larrabee, and someone that I've been trying to get on the show for a very long time, and it took him getting a like a, a new company, starting a new company to get him on the show. That's Jason Canham, uh, previously of Drinkbox Studios, now of Household Games. Jason, how are you? Oh, just fine. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. <laughs> You're up, uh, and maybe you can like figure this out. Where I, I get, I get told all the time I sound Canadian, so maybe you can try to figure that out as we go forward. But you're up in Canada, right? I am. Yes, right in downtown Toronto. Oh, nice. So uh, you guys must have some some decent weather out there. No snow and just like sunshine. It looks like from the from the video I can see. Yeah. It. Oh, it is. It is crazy this is one of the hottest summers on record it is it's, it's too much nobody can deal with it it's too much <sighs> well you know this isn't going to be the episode where we try to answer the the problem of climate change but uh, <laughs> what we're going to do is we're pretty much just going to talk about some some old games some new games and some things that are going on with old games but um, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here is, you know, not just because of, of your passion for, for these old video games, but also, you know, working at, at Drinkbox and, and on Guacamelee. I mean, a game that was very much inspired by, you know, the old, I guess you would, I guess we can still use the term Metroidvania, uh, but Met- Metroidvania type games and um, just really the, the great 2D work that was done over at Drinkbox and they still continue to do. Um, but what I would like to kind of do is, is start off with, you know, what's going on at, at household games. Are you guys working on a, you know, eight on eight, you know, multiplayer first person shooter that's going to be like running on like id tech or something like that? Or, or what's, what's kind of the plan? Like, what do you, what do you want to do? Absolutely. Well, we're definitely uh, for our first title playing to the strengths of the team. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my experience designing games like uh, Guacamelee is with games that are inspired by by old school games. Mm-hmm. Not, I wouldn't say per se like it's a retro game, right? But I mean, definitely just like Guacamelee, wearing its inspirations on its sleeve, just kind of paying tribute to these old games that we kind of grew up with. And that's, I mean, that's definitely what I've always wanted to do. And uh, being able to work on a project like Guacamelee was was just amazing. That's that's a life goal right there. To be able to work on something that amazing. I mean, that one game of the year. That's right. That that game that game absolutely blew up. And you know, one one of the things that I always appreciated from Drinkbox is that they supported my favorite little console, the PlayStation Vita, quite heavily. So uh, that is always something I can appreciate even more. But um, how how big is the the team right now? That household. Sure. Uh, right now, the core team on our first game is about six. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's just so that we can have a really strong team. Uh, One of the strengths of the team is that everyone is very specialized in what they do. And for this first game, what I really like about it is everyone is a really good professional. Everyone is super talented at what they do. Mm -hmm. But 
there basically we have all the main bases covered. I'm kind of project managing, but also handing the creative design. So I'm basically like the designer on it. Uh, and then we have a composer doing the music. We have an animator. We have an illustrator and a lead programmer and a producer. So basically at any one point of the game, if you feel or a person when they eventually play it, feel that any one part of the game stands out, you can point to exactly who's responsible for it. If someone's like, I really love the soundtrack, I can say, this guy worked on it. He's amazing. I love the animations. Well, she did the animations, so you can thank her for that. And I think that's what's going to be really cool is everyone's stamp is going to be on the game very clearly and distinctly. And that's one of the things that's really great about indie games because that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that gets lost with bigger projects, with AAA games, when 500 people work on a game. (laughs) Or a 1,000 with Assassin's Creed or something like that. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, that's awesome, and it's a great project to be a part of. There's Mm -hmm. plenty to learn and grow as a professional. But when the game finally comes out, you can say, like, oh, man, those fences, those fences along the outside of the castle – and I mean, and that's not to speak negatively about anyone's job, of course. Absolutely, yeah. But just like, yeah. And that's one of the things that has, in recent years, especially with indie games blowing up, mm-hmm. that's kind of what brought professionals into the indie fold is people just saying, like, I want to have a big impact on a game's development. And with our team of, like, focused professionals, uh, that's the thing I'm most excited for is when it comes out, when, when we even get to the point we can show it off, probably in a couple of months, mm-hmm. um, I'm really excited for what people think. And I'm really excited to be able to say, like, hey, you can thank her for the animations. You can thank him for the music. You can thank him for the art style. That's uh, that's awesome, and that's what I've been drawn towards more. So these these I mean, I, again, running a, a retro video game podcast. There's still some times where I dabble in, you know, like the most recent Doom was something that I really want to check out, like big spectacle, like huge budgets type stuff. But you know, for the most part, it's like you know playing these like indie retro somewhat inspired games where I can still not feel like I need to dedicate 60 hours of my life to something or um, just pick up and play like, you know, pick up my Vita, you know, swipe the screen open, play for five or 10 minutes and then get back to whatever I was doing um, before. But uh, I guess this, this episode is going to be a little bit weird because really I just wanted to talk to you and kind of get your impression on a lot of things. And maybe like a cool thing uh, to, to do is to start off with, it was some like recent news, which is the the NES Nintendo Entertainment System Classic Edition, sure. uh, which just got announced with thirty great games that uh, is coming out November eleventh. We're getting uh, this in the United States. It's coming out in Canada. It's coming out in Europe. Still, and this is I'm get I'm gonna guess this is coming soon because I've seen these these other micro consoles for other consoles in Japan. Uh, but hopefully they'll come out with a Famicom. Uh, version Ooh. as well. Yeah, I know, right? So oh, think God. about like think about those Famicom exclusive games. Like we could potentially get on there. Maybe we can get like some Kid Dracula or something like that. Since yeah. uh, Konami loved you know supporting this thing, but uh, I was just kind of curious. Like, well, what are your thoughts on um, you know maybe the potential, like just this thing in general, but also the potential of those games actually helping you know, create more of a market for indie games because it's something that you know people can really match up. Uh, a little bit closer to than just jumping right from here to, you know, the next 3D Super Mario Brothers. Sure, that's a really good point. And um, uh, one of the things I'm very impressed with uh, the choice of 30 games, mostly, I mean, mostly because my mind immediately, what I saw on the list was Star Tropics. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, oh, 
my God. Uh, because, I mean, it is a pretty, quote unquote, standard list. It's everything you expect. But there's mm-hmm. a few surprises in there. That was the big one for me. And my big takeaway is like, more people are going to play Star Tropics. Yay. Yeah, I hope so. It, it Maybe there, there has to be. Well, I don't know. I, I hope. There, there's still like a lot of speculation with this thing, right? Because we are at the time that we're recording, like it was just announced. It was just announced literally a week ago today, and we're just seeing uh, a little bit more of the the actual unit itself. It looks like they're letting people play around with at least like the demo unit. It's not hooked up to a TV or anything, but people can see like the shape of the box. They're seeing the controllers. They're seeing uh, that the controller cables are about like Famicom length long, which is maybe a meter if we're like three feet, if we're being generous. Um, but uh, now we're, we're getting like a lot of excitement uh, for this thing and what this could mean for Nintendo going forward with offering more of these collections. But yeah, you mentioned Star Tropics, which is, it's, it's a weird game because that in itself was a game that was made specifically for the West. Yes. Like, yeah, exactly. Sell me on Star Tropics because I've tried playing this game a couple times, and yet, like it is, it's a good-looking game. It looks pretty fun, but I just don't have any nostalgia for it. So it's really tough uh, to kind of go back and maybe find that magic. Sure. Um, so I guess with Star Tropics, when it initially came out, uh, what it had kind of going for it was this action RPG hybrid. So it was sort of like a much more action-oriented Legend of Zelda. Mm. And playing it... With the like yo-yo. The, with the yo-yo, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for me, it has so much creatively going for it. I mean, the mm-hmm. setting is fantastically unique. The story is really interesting. Um, the places it goes by the end. And then I, I specifically remember the Nintendo Power coverage of the game only talked about the beginning of the game when it was taking place in tropical islands Mm -hmm. and they only went so far then they cut their coverage like yeah play some more and then when i eventually played it the places it goes to are just are literally out of this world they're amazing it's (laughs) it's so crazy and yeah you fight enemies with a yo-yo it's a more it's a faster paced legend of zelda Mm -hmm. uh and from a technical gameplay standpoint for me, because I'm a really gameplay-oriented person, I've always been a gameplay-oriented player, and now I'm a gameplay-oriented designer. Mm-hmm. Um, it just has really nice rules. It follows by – it's on a nice, neat grid. You can only move in whole spaces. You can do a whole step. You can't do a half step. Uh, but there's really nice tech. There's really good techniques you can do. Like you can change the direction you're facing mid-jump. Mm-hmm. You still have to complete the jump. Everything is still built out of blocks, but you can play around a little bit with the fluidity of those blocks. Mm -hmm. And so that was really awesome. And even at a young age, I kind of noticed that and thought that was really interesting. And it's not something I've seen mimicked or redone to this day. Um, A lot of people – I remember uh, when Guacamelee came out, uh, me and uh, one of the founders of the studio participated in like a Reddit AMA. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, about the game, and one question that came up was, if there's a classic Nintendo game you would want to remake, what would it be? And uh, Graham from Drinkbox answered Metroid. We'd love to do a Metroid game. And I thought, yeah. And I didn't jump in the thread quick enough, but afterwards I was like, I really wanted to answer Star Tropics. <laughs> I would remake a new, I would make a new modern Star Tropics, if anything. That's my number one pick. For a retro game I would revive, given the chance, I would do that. I remember talking with uh with with Greg, one of the developers. I guess like I mean at that time it was really one of the main developers of uh 
Mick Kids, or I guess it's really MC Kids. Um, but but Greg Tavares, who's still, I think he was, when I talked to him, he was out in uh, California, but he's mostly in, in Tokyo. I saw him in Tokyo a couple months ago. But um, I'm waiting for people to say, yeah, I really want to make like the next Mick Kids. Let's license that McDonald's you know property. Now let's bring back a really good Super Mario Brothers 3 ripoff because no one is really... No one. I mean, everyone's doing. Not that everyone. I, mean, I won't see, mean this in a you know a, a, a derogatory way, but you know, there's lots of Metroidvanias, and uh, like we've even seen it with. Um, oh God, why am I blank? Axiom Verge, which came out a couple months ago too. Yeah, uh, great game by the way. But um, now, where are the people that are making like the next Super Mario Brothers three? Like, is it, it maybe is it that hard as a, like a developer to nail down the the controls and the platforming to to make a a game that's inspired by that? Uh, partly it is. I mean, nowadays, I think uh, someone would be able to. Uh, well, there is the story of when uh, id software started. That's right. With how one of the first things they built was they got uh, a Super Mario Brothers 3 prototype working in DOS. Mm-hmm. And I think that's and, leaked out recently. Oh, it has. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to try that to see what that was really like. But I remember they did that and they pitched it to Nintendo, mm-hmm. at which point they turned it down. And I know that's what became Commander Keen. Um, but no, it could be done. Well, oddly enough, I've been waiting for a couple years for Nintendo to do it. Because one of the things I thought that I was completely wrong about, but when Mega Man 9 came out in 2008, mm-hmm. um, A, Mega Man 9 is the best Mega Man game by far. <laughs> I still, I still need to. That's, I, need, that's, I still need to play it. I'm, I'm on, I'm on five. I'm working my way up. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, but when that came out, and as successful as it was, and how big it was, and I was like, wow, no, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, great, we're in for new Castlevanias. We're in for new Contras. We're in for new. Mar- we're going to get a 16-bit Sonic game. Like everyone's going to jump on this and just do it. And it kind of didn't happen at all. Mm-hmm. And I was really sad about that, but I really expected that to happen. So I was really hoping Nintendo themselves would make a new Super Mario Brothers 3. Uh, but it seems that what has happened is kind of indie games have kind of taken and run with that. Mm-hmm. So the question really is, yeah, when is someone going to do that? And something like MC Kids, yeah, that's an <laughs> awesome example. That, that's just waiting for a revival for that exact purpose. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I, I think... Um I don't know. I, I Nintendo, I guess, is especially Nintendo is not a company to necessarily go backwards. They always seem to, you know, for better or worse, they they go forwards and they they always try to have a, a new spin on something. Whether it be, um, you know, you still get you kind of have that with uh, Mario Maker on the Wii U at least, where you can have people make new levels and stuff like that, and have those old physics uh, engines or, or graphical engines as well uh, to play around with, but. Um, yeah, I think it's, it is, it is odd. It's, I, I mean, you, you as a developer, like, do you, do you know for, for your audience, like they're always going to want something, but you don't know if they necessarily think they just want that or if that's something they're actually going to buy. Like if that's something they're really going to enjoy. So I'm kind of curious as you're going into this new project, you know, you, this is the internet where everyone has a voice and they're saying, oh, this is, I really want this game, but at the end of the day, even if you build it for them, like there's a chance that they might not buy it. That's exactly right. Yeah, no, exactly. And there is absolutely with the audience of what they say isn't necessarily what they want. That's always true. And the best way that I can think, no, basically it fundamentally comes down to this and the way like we're going to approach the game is regardless of how 
it's inspired by the past, inspired by these old games. You can't regress in terms of like advancements in design and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. you'd be out of your mind to make a completely faithful NES game that has no password support, no save <laughs> support, and like your game over in two minutes. Like, mm-hmm. so I think nobody ever really wants something completely faithful because there have been advances just in convenience and just the way gamers have adapted to like play modern games. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think you have to keep that in mind. So you're like, yeah, they have fond memories of game X, but in the last couple of years, they've been playing these modern games and it is kind of fine. And that, that's, that's what indie games have been doing really well because mm-hmm. Axiom Verge, as you mentioned, I don't mind bringing it up again, is a, is a really great game, but it's, it's an exact game that's, um, inspired by Metroid, but then also includes a ton of modern conveniences and right. design philosophies built into it, which is what makes it as, even better. Yeah, you know, I, I have no problem mentioning that that game as many times as possible because the more copies that that game sells, the better. Just, just, uh, it, it's unfortunately a game that I've only put like an hour into, but it's it's like I'm waiting for the right like time or the right flight to like really get sucked in on on that game and. It's almost like weird. Like it's like I'm saving it. It's like I'm saving it for like a good trip, or I don't know, like the, like the right mood. Like even who knows by the time that people hear this. But I'm like playing around. Like yeah, I should probably. It's been like almost four years. I should do Super Metroid on this show. Like we should we should talk about that game, right? And uh, I don't know. It's just like all those things are always run, running around my head. Like, do I want to play Super Metroid? And then do I? have to push back axiom verge even further because i don't want to have that experience i don't know i'm just a weird illogical person but that is that's how i work and like literally right next to me is a 3ds with super metroid loaded up and ready to play excellent um but i don't know i don't know if i'm gonna hold off uh, on that for for a little bit but um yeah i mean this 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 is a really cool thing that nintendo is is doing and it will be great to have these franchises and maybe just like like the big thing that I want to see from it is just like, and I don't know if this is easy to do. Some people have been saying like, you know, it could be the equivalent of like a Raspberry Pi in this hardware, and that's plenty powerful enough. Sure, I hope it is, um, but I just need to make sure that you know the emulation is really good, and that the mm. uh, you know some of the the picture quality on some like the Wii U NES emulation has not been very good. So hopefully Nintendo has you know learned their lessons from that stuff, but. Um, a lot of people were saying, even like I was on the Player One podcast last week, like, why would I buy this? I already have like all these games on carts or on virtual console. And I'm like, yeah, but not only do you have a cool little NES, but like whenever you have a family get together to be able to take this thing and like my cousins that I used, like I grew up playing these NES games with my cousins. They never picked up the later stuff, but to be able to bring this over and be like, Hey, let's let's play some Ninja Gaiden. Let's let's go. We'll, we'll trade off like guys. Every time I die, we'll we'll switch off or somebody to play some Super C, play some you know Tech Mobile. Like this is going to be absolutely perfect for that. So I guess my question is, you got one pre-ordered? Are you going to pre-order one? I will for sure. I'm going to be hitting up. Uh, <laughs> they didn't say anything about pre-orders yet. Yeah, not in this, not in North America. They have opened up pre-orders in the in the like UK and in Europe and stuff okay. like that, but. Uh, we are we are waiting, and I still am like no one's been talking about this, but I am absolutely a hundred percent positive that there will be a Famicom version of this. You've heard it here first that a Famicom version is going to be coming out this year in Japan and filled with some Japanese exclusive games, like some Goemon games or something that you would you know 
considered to be yeah it only came out in japan like little samson yeah yeah god yeah people will be freaking out if that happens because they'll be oh they should have brought that out here but you know we might get an like nes classics collection two or something or what nes nintendo classic mini two um (laughs) but yeah yeah, i just see myself yeah of course i'm gonna like next time i'm in japan i'm gonna pick up one of those famicom ones too because if i if i have mini nes i need a mini famicom uh, of course next to it as well but yeah I, i'm really excited about this because this is like i mean your some of your previous work has been really inspired by nintendo franchises and i think all of us as like gamers who have grown up with this stuff we want nintendo to do well like that's something a good strong nintendo is going to be great for all of us um but i i don't know if you even if you're if you're cool talking about this but i've you know i've been vocal like i think nintendo's tripped up a little bit but it seems like they're figuring it out and they're getting to see like what the audience wants today and they're starting to deliver it maybe even more so when we get to the nx stuff yeah exactly and i think that i think there's definitely they're getting a better understanding of how they have two segments of their audience they have the audience they can always rely on for the retro stuff for the classic Mm -hmm. stuff and now they have this new emerging audience and i mean new but i'd say like almost 15 years now. And that's right. the audience that's really pushing Pokemon go into the heights. It's going yeah. to, um, and Nintendo being such a, like a progressive forward thinking company, or they always try to be, mm-hmm. um, it's interesting how they have the deepest catalog to always fall back on. And it seems that they always just every once in a while when they're in a bit of a trip up, cause I mean, <laughs> following up the GameCube, which was at the time, not great for them. Mm-hmm. The Wii had virtual console. Yeah. Like, they leaned really heavy on that when they, you know, announced at, at E3, like they were going to say, you're going to be able to play every game that you're going to want to from the NES, the Super Nintendo, and N64. Yeah, and and exactly. And it seems to me like that's you can always rely on Nintendo with their back against the wall. We'll always right. bring out retro stuff. <laughs> what I hope they do with it is learn how to kind of expand on it. I'm hoping mm. the NES Classic is kind of an entry point and how they pay attention. I hope they pay attention to how its launch goes, Mm -hmm. how its follow through goes and figure out ways to take advantage of that. I mean, I would love almost like a dedicated virtual console box, like let the NX be its own thing Mm -hmm. with its own ecosystem. And then you have this box. And I mean, I mean, I had the thought once and I'm sure other people have as well, but I expected after the Wii going into Wii U, I was like, for virtual console, it's almost like worth going with a a subscription service, like a Netflix for games. Because well, see, know, this makes too much sense. You understand that, like, and that, these, that's the thing with like, Nintendo, yeah, yeah, and like this thing, this this NES Classic Mini, like these mini consoles have been around for a while, and like, yeah, yeah. of course, it would have made sense for Nintendo to to do this. And like I, I mentioned on the Player One show, like. Yeah, those like the Sega Genesis one is a piece of crap, but um, it also came with like 90 games instead of 30 games, and it was $40 instead of $60. But, um, you know, hopefully Nintendo can can like knock this out of the park because the only thing that you just don't want, like you want this to be successful. You don't want it to come out and have it be like bad emulation, like it flickers, like the you find that the controllers re- breaks really easily or the controllers are just, you know, terrible. Um, like they really just need to do this right. And hopefully they do. Exactly. I mean, everyone has their eyes on it. Everyone's super excited. I mean, there's a few people down on it that you're not going to get more than the 30 games. That's what they've said so far. But I honestly think they're limiting it to the 30 because 
This is dipping their toe in something new. This is absolutely. This is a radical thing for Nintendo. To everyone else in the world, it makes sense. Right. And that's the thing with Nintendo is they always eventually get around to doing the the right thing. Yeah. Um, and, and what if they did like this is a thing I also like. I apologize if you guys listen to that that to that other show, but you know what if they just uh, also had a second version, which is like the the remodel that they did that the top loader here in the states, where you can be like, all right, here's. 30 more games and go even deeper into that catalog, get Mega Man 3 on there and get like maybe Castlevania 3 and they can offer all these games that people are like, oh, why isn't this game on the list? Don't worry, like they could just make more of these and I wouldn't mind having like a lineup of a bunch of these. <laughs> like, oh man, yeah, shelf space would be amazing because you'd right. fit all of them in, in a fraction of the space. It'd they're be not amazing. big. Yeah, they're about the size of like, I, I was looking at some comparison pieces, but it's like about the size of like a 3DS XL. Is that like, is that's awesome, right? So it's it's really not that big, and you can just swap the controllers out. You can still use the same HDMI cable, the same. And I didn't even think about this, but it's powered by it's powered by USB. So like a, not, a lot of the new TVs today, they actually have like USB ports on the back and on the side, so you don't even need to plug it into the wall. You can plug it into the USB of the TV and the HDMI on the TV. So you don't need to run extra cables into your power strip and stuff like that. So it'd be easy to just take out that and put in a different one and not have to like reach for a power cable and like take all that stuff out. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it just, I, I, I don't know. Like, I think this is going to be incredibly successful. Like you're saying, and I apologize for, for rambling, but, um, like I posted that trailer they released today on Facebook and like my Facebook, friends they're not like my video game friends really everyone was freaking out about it they're like what is this i need to whoa when is, is this out can i go get this and people are like i absolutely need to get these or it's going to be like a great you know holiday gift for people or a great birthday present uh, i just think they're going to kick ass with this thing i agree yeah for sure and exactly and once again it's realizing how those two audience segments work because Nintendo kind of is around the audience in a weird kind of way. Like Sony and Microsoft kind of occupy this like set of core gamers. And then Nintendo is both a small subsection of that, which are hardcore Nintendo fans. Mm -hmm. And then the inverse of that, which is everyone else. They have a weird like donut of audience. Whereas like, yeah, they have like the tiny little nugget of even more hardcore Nintendo fans. And then Mm -hmm. the outside beyond everyone else. And people always kind of forget that and are so easy to count them out. continue on the topic of, of like retro games but um i want to talk to you about about speed running because um the, we just had the um god i always forget the, something games done quick is it good? summer games done quick summer games done quick thank you um where you know people get together at hotels and convention centers and they just plow through games people that have basically they have They've solved these games is probably the best way to put it, where they just are just masters of them. They know how to get through them as, as quickly as possible. And I've I've noticed you yourself, actually, you do a little bit of this as well. Like, I'm like, 
there's oh i just you know got my best time and you know whatever game that you're playing at the time but um what what are the you know what's your relationship with speed running and, and what are the games that, that you play and how, how did you get into this sure um so i mean like speed running is um i mean it happens with all games but i mean it's very very it's much more prevalent in retro games yes simply because people have been playing these games for 20 30 35 years like that's why still no mick kids though i've never seen a mick kids speed run at these summer games done quick shows try i'm gonna if i find one i'll, I'll link you to it i'm Hell pretty yeah. sure there was one. Oh yes um, nice i'm pretty sure because i'm pretty sure i saw one a couple years ago it's um, like in someone's hotel room it wasn't on like the mainstream but maybe, oh okay i don't know <laughs> i'll see what i can find all right but but the events themselves are really great mm-hmm. uh really great i mean they're at the point right now where they knock out a million dollars for charity easily. It's really great. And they have great causes. They kind of go back and forth. Um, Summer Games Done Quick always happens in July, and that's for um, Doctors Without Borders, uh, Médecins Sans Frontières. And then in uh, the new year, usually first, second week of January, is Awesome Games Done Quick, which is actually the original marathon. And that is um, for Prevent Cancer Foundation. Mm -hmm. So good causes, a lot of awareness and great money. But, uh, but yeah, speedrunning itself and like the individuals who do it, it's, I would say that the closest thing we have to anything is of the, being like the Olympics of gaming. I would say totally. so. Um, only because it spans so many different types of games, so many genres and, and there are, um, and like, cause to me, what makes them the best speed runs they do during the week are the races. Or when they have yeah. two, three, four people, like a four-player Super Metroid speedrun race mm-hmm. is about the best thing in all of gaming, I think, personally. Things don't get better than that. Um, but speedrunning itself, as an art, as a science, as a discipline, is really, really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that uh, is really intriguing to me as a developer as well because it goes beyond practice Mm-hmm. It goes beyond solving and the way they exploit bugs <laughs> and glitches is also part of it mm-hmm. because nothing's off limits. If you can make it happen, it becomes part of the route. So, so are you a fan of, because I mean the, the, maybe the, the big, the big ones that I usually watch and I don't watch a ton of these because I like, I only watch the games that I've already played all the way through because I'm always worried I'm going to be spoiled, uh, spoiled, uh, have a game spoiled that I'm going to like want to play on the show or something like that. So I don't like watch all of them, but uh, like the Ocarina of time, like when they backflip into the wall of the first dungeon in the Deku tree, and then that somehow warps you to the final battle with Ganondorf at the end. So those, those are more of like the, like the glitch speed runs. Are you a fan more like the ones where you're kind of like breaking the game or the ones where you're just kind of doing like a clean, you know, start to finish playthrough? They kind of both have their – they're both appealing in different ways. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a fan of quote-unquote pure skill runs. Yeah. So glitchless runs. Um, and like you know, taking advantage of little things like, oh, when I get hit, I'm invulnerable for half a second and that lets me squeak through this little passageway. Right. Like that's cool, I think. Totally, totally. Uh, but the things where you trick the game into thinking you're not where you really are and then it makes credits happen mm-hmm. isn't quite as cool. But I admire because you know, QA, quality assurance testing, is an entire leg of the industry. Mm-hmm. And speedrunners 
more like can always find bugs and they yeah. always find the crazy. It's not that they just find minor little bugs. They sometimes find crazy game changers. And as a developer, you'll be like, I mean, especially for bigger games, but I mean, even for something like Guacamele, mm-hmm. the team will think to themselves like, man, we had people test this for like 5,000 hours <laughs> and nobody found this little trick that like skips an entire thing. But speedrunners will always figure it out. And that's kind of interesting in mm-hmm. a way. Um, there are a lot of takeaways from a game design perspective mm-hmm. you can kind of have. Um, but as well, you have to keep in mind you can't go too far with it because then you're constraining the player too much. And I mean that is a key philosophy behind Metroidvania design mm-hmm. is you're like, oh, I want to block off the person from getting to this high ledge. And because I want you to go get the high jump boots before you can jump up to here. Right. That's a simple design philosophy. But then when you're like, okay, but I'm going to add a death canopy above it. So if they find a way over it, I'll kill them and I'll attach like all this stuff. And when you start trying to cover every contingency, you look at the level you made and you're like, well, that's not fun. Mm. It's like you sometimes, even subconsciously, you'll leave a way for it to be broken. Because you're like, if I just put spikes on every surface, it's not fun anymore. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think, uh, what, you know, it, it is not, I don't know why, maybe it's like, it's so weird, maybe it's just like the N64 stuff, but um, I always get kind of drawn to the N64 games like that, like I mentioned Ocarina of Time and uh, Super Mario 64 is just an incredible game to watch someone do like a complete 120 star run through that and just to see like the pixel perfect jumping that is or I guess it would be polygon perfect jumping that they need to make on those stages to like get a perfect jump or to like glitch and jump up the side of a wall or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I never really thought about it. Like it must be incredibly popular for game developers to kind of just learn, not necessarily from mistakes of the past, but to kind of like be like, oh yeah, I should probably watch out for this. this is a good lesson to learn for the game that we're doing right now to make sure it's not repeated here. Exactly. Exactly right. Exactly. You'll learn way you'll learn. You start to learn patterns and what they look for. Mm-hmm. And like you can make sure you can kind of patch stuff up. But like I said, you can't be too heavy handed with patching stuff up constantly uh, because you, you, you'll eventually build your game into such a box. It's not fun anymore. Well, what do you like to I mean, what do you like to speed run, I guess? Sure. I guess the, the games I speed run the most often and I will stress that I'm a casual speed runner. <laughs> because like can you be a casual speed runner oh that's kind of true i guess i guess <laughs> what i'm saying is i can't quite like i'm faster than most of the people i know or anyone i know for that for that mm-hmm. matter but i mean like still when i look at like what the world record time is i'm like wow that's crazy like i'm proud that i got but um minor donkey Kong country games and mega yep. man x games uh but specifically donkey Kong country two and three and i do them 102 and 103 percent and and yeah, my That's most right. recent record was I got my 103% Donkey Kong Country 3 to three hours and one minute, um, which is an hour slower than like speedrunner record time. And are you playing this like, is this on a CRT with a Super Nintendo or, or do you allow yourself the, you know, the flexibility to play on like a Wii U or a Wii or something like that? I will play virtual console. And actually most recently, what's been really helpful with that is the 3DS versions. Oh, they, all three of those came out in 3DS? They did. Oh, nice. And so I, I got those right now, and uh, I've been going back and forth a bit on Wii U. I have a, I have, I have the cartridge for them as well, so I'll go mm-hmm. back and forth between Super NES, um, Virtual Console, and 3DS, depending on where I am. If I'm out or if I'm traveling, mm-hmm. uh, I'll try to just bang out a new time in Donkey Kong Country 2 or 3 or Mega Man X 
Uh, although Mega Man X isn't on 3DS yet. I'm, that's yeah, you know, it's so hard to to get that you know Mega Man X emulation on that hardware. Nintendo still hasn't figured that out quite uh, quite well. But that's why I have a copy of Mega Man X because I don't want to have to use I I have an EverDrive, but also Mega Man X is not something that works on an EverDrive, so it's good to mm. have a copy of. Actually, it's Rockman X. But anyways, uh, oh nice. Well, yeah, it's like it was like two dollars or whatever in Japan. The Rock, if you want to get those Mega Man X games go get the Super Famicom versions because they're like practically nothing compared to the ridiculous price. Like it's a hundred dollars for a copy of Mega Man X three yeah. on Super Nintendo. I haven't even looked in a long time, but that's like kind of where it was at. But um, so how long does it take you to play through Donkey Kong country three? So Donkey Kong country three, uh, like I said, uh, 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 doing everything, every bonus room, every this secret is Dixie Kong's quest, right? Dixie Kong's double trouble. Dixie Kong's double trouble. Okay. Yeah. With Dixie Kong and Kitty Kong. Uh, so, yeah, my record in game time right now is three hours and one minute. I'm working and trying to get it under three hours. So that's oh, like man. the hidden lost world. That's every bonus room in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I typically like to play for like 100% completion. Mm-hmm. The games I play instead of just shortest route. So you is this one sitting where you'll just sit down for three hours and play through it? Or do you at least get to like pause it and get up and get a drink or something? Um, no, it's as close to one session as I can do. Absolutely. Like I, it'll be, it'll be one session. Um, I streamed a Donkey Kong Country 2 run last year, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think I got my new best time ever in that one, which was like 2.25. So I, you're, you're, I mean, Donkey Kong Country, and this is like a little side subject. Donkey Kong Country doesn't get a lot of love. People have really turned their backs on the, you know, the rare stuff from Super Nintendo and what they did with uh, pre-rendered graphics and such. Um, but what, what I guess my question for you is like also like what makes those games special for you? Is it just something that you really love the gameplay of them or is it just something that like you grew up with and you just love them from the past? Mm-hmm. No, they're definitely <laughs> – I would argue they're some of the best 2D platformers. I like – yeah, I like the Donkey Kong Country games more than the Super Mario World. Whoa, okay. as, as a 2D platformer, I'd say my favorite Super Nintendo era 2D, like, 2D platformer is, is Donkey Kong Country games. Um, but I mean – well, I mean, I guess it, it does have a lot of nostalgia <laughs> too because when I was a kid – I got that VHS tape of the Donkey Kong Country preview. Yeah, I got that, and I think as a, when I was younger, that was like the most hype I was for anything. I think that was my introduction to hype because, mm-hmm. like, I got this tape in the mail. It showed up with the like issue of Nintendo Power, yep. and it's VHS tape, and I was like, "What is this? Pop it in! Oh my god, this is Christmas! I want this is Christmas!" It's like, I, and I got a free cassette, like with all this. I mean, hell, when back then, when there was just like anything involving video games on TV, I don't care what it was, like Nick Arcade, whatever, I'm watching that because I get to see like video, like video games, uh, which seems so weird, but it's, it's like even why in, in movies, like I would, you know, I would like certain movies more because it was like an arcade in there. Like the kids were playing, geez, like forever young with mel gibson when elijah wood's playing f-zero like how do i haven't seen that movie since it came <laughs> out but i still remember seeing like oh my god they get a super nintendo it's f-zero they're playing f-zero on tv on tv but um yeah donkey kong country was no joke like i was the kid that got to pick I, at my like local 
if you if you ever lived in Beverly, Massachusetts, uh, it's closed now. But the video store was called uh, Photographics, um, and they like literally put. We were there. They put a copy of Donkey Kong Country on the shelf, like brand new. Like the the day it came out, they put it up on the shelf. I took it right off the shelf and got to to rent it that day. <laughs> and was it lived up to the expectations? It was hard, but uh, it definitely lived up to the expectations. Yeah, those games get a bad rap. People don't people don't give those games the the props they deserve. No, they do. They they deserve it. Um, they deserve praise. And one of the biggest things for me is uh, and affected me as a a budding designer mm. uh, was the secrets. That's what cemented it for me. Yeah. I mean, the tape talked about like with the original Donkey Kong country game has a hundred secret rooms in the game. I was like, what? And you're going to find all those golden ostriches. Yeah, exactly. Well, I got to ask going, going from that. I mean, as, as a, as a developer kind of looking at a company that has has taken an old franchise and brought it into the future with Donkey Kong Country Returns and and Tropical Freeze Retro seems to have done a, a great job. So I'm kind of curious, like, how do you feel about those games as someone that is a huge fan of the the old 16-bit games? They're really great. They're only lacking in one area, as far as I'm concerned. Secrets? Yeah. yeah. The fact that the secrets never gave... They gave you the puzzle pieces, which unlock concept art. Right. But... And th- that's why I love, and that's why speedrunning, to kind of bring it around to speedrunning, yeah. that's why I like Donkey Kong Country 2 and 3 specifically. Because mm-hmm. you have to find the bonuses to get the coins to buy passage to the secret world to get the true ending. And that's why I play it for 102%, because mm-hmm. you need 102% to get the true ending, and 103% in 3. And that's why I really liked it. And that's why when I started playing Returns, Returns mechanically, visually... And Tropical Freeze are both amazing. Yeah. Um, and actually, Tropical Freeze's bonus world stages are incredible. Mm-hmm. The final bonus level of that game is pure platforming on tiny little clouds with no floor the entire level. And I was like, this is amazing. But none of the secrets in the game amount to anything. I found all of them just to do it. But mm-hmm. I was like, man, I really wish they would have given value to these secrets. That would have bumped it up. So I don't know where like why what decision that was or i don't know why that element of the game design wasn't important mm-hmm. when they were designing uh Donkey Kong country returns a tropical freeze to me if i would have been on that project i would have been like secrets that are super valuable and important to finishing the game that's number one because mm-hmm. that's to me the takeaway from those old from Donkey Kong country games is and that's why i that's why i actually don't value one the first game as much because it's the same thing mm-hmm you just find rooms that are full of bananas, animal tokens, or one-ups. Right. And when you're most way through the game and you have 65 lives, you're like, well, I don't need to go. Like, And usually what happens right. when I do a Donkey Kong Country playthrough is the first two, three worlds, I find every secret. I jump in every hidden barrel. And then I'm like, okay, I'm at like 55 lives. I'm in no danger of game over. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to run through the rest of it. I'm not going to bother jumping up to that barrel. I know I don't need it. Well, uh, um. Okay, it's, I guess there's a couple of things I want to ask. Um, well, outside of and and, I, and I'm going to guess this was going to be a really bad joke, but I'm guessing like retro just kind of used up all their cool secrets in the Metroid Prime games, and they just ran out of secret juice or whatever you have as a developer. Like they used up <laughs> like on, on like the next game. Like how do you think of even more crazy secrets uh, for that stuff? But I remember the Metroid Prime games having like lots of cool secret rooms and stuff like that. Um, 
but yeah, that's what, actually that's weird. Even another uh, Canadian studio, Next Level, now has kind of like the Metroid franchise. We'll get to see what they do with that pretty soon. But yes, um, okay. So there, I mean, outside of, of Donkey Kong Country games, are, are there any games you you mentioned uh, Mega Man X? What, what's your time with Mega Man X right now? So Mega Man X for me is around forty five minutes. Whoa, okay, which isn't too far off because like world record is like thirty six, thirty seven. Wow. But that ten, that's 10 minutes in a 40-some minute game. Right. Like that's still a big game to have to make. And um, I've just started recently incorporating a couple new tricks and figuring – like just looking online and following what some people do. And mm. um, and once again, why I find Mega Man X very interesting is the optimal route to the game is to get everything. Right. Because when you find every secret in that game, you get the Hadouken. And the Hadouken Whoa. kills bosses in one hit. Well, okay. See – this is a problem. I I I mentioned like I have a copy of Rockman X. I've not played through it because um, I don't know. I think there. Are, I don't think I'm alone either. I think there there are some people that aren't necessarily like turned off by the Mega Man X look and feel. But I just really I still haven't played through six. That's that's what I have to do next. But once I get through Mega Man Six, like we'll eventually do X on the show. But uh, then we'll maybe have to have you on for the show because you're going to be like, oh yeah, well you completely miss like all this other stuff. Like oh, you got to go back and like, God, I didn't even know there was like Street Fighter moves in there. But um, okay, so this is me rambling. I, f- I forget what I was going to ask you, but I, I know one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, the current landscape of like consoles, because it's, we're kind of like almost like in the middle of a generation right now. You have the PlayStation four, you have the, the Xbox one that are both pretty healthy and have really good, you know, uh, channels for distribution for, for games and for independent games. Um, and then you also have the handhelds with, the 3ds which is getting towards the end we have the nx that's going to be coming in a couple months where that's probably going to replace that hardware but also like this weird like the playstation vita is in a really weird place where games are still getting announced for it and games are still selling when they come out like they're still selling really well when they do come out for the playstation vita like not like what an Activision would want for a Call of Duty, but you know you can sell a hundred thousand copies of a really obscure, weird Japanese like Danganronpa two, uh, mm-hmm. and, and like these companies can make their their money back. So I guess my question is, as a developer, like how do you feel about like the current landscape? You kind of have all these different options of where you could potentially offer this future game, including Steam, including even like I guess the Microsoft digital store whatever it is um but but how do you kind of view all that stuff and how do you make a decision on like what's going to be the best platform or what's going to be the best uh distribution channel for what we're making sure um you're right like everything is doing all right we're in that weird kind of mid console lifespan for the new major consoles so we're talking Mm -hmm. about ps4 xbox one and then of course they've announced their kind of little updates right ps4 neo and uh, Xbox. Oh, yeah, but even before Scorpio, just the Xbox One S. Oh, yeah. As yeah. its little like half step. And then the Scorpio itself isn't a full measure, mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting time to think about. Do um, you think that's how things are just going to go? Like, we're just going to see these like initial like bumps every couple, two or three years or something like that? Definitely. This is the beginning of getting people used to that. Where's that's my PlayStation Vita 1.5. I'm so worried that that's going to be the last time I see a PlayStation Portable. I know that's kind of how it seems. Um, but even with the way Sony themselves 
have always positioned the Vita and how they've presented it or the lack of putting force behind it, you could argue with some people. Mm -hmm. Um, The Vita itself is a really interesting market and ecosystem and fan base. Yeah. Have you been – Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, like you mentioned, like things can sell, still sell very well on it, and it's the kind of thing where the only people who balk or make fun of the Vita are people that don't own it, and people who own it love right. it. Like that's yeah. its thing, and it it has trouble convincing new people to adopt it. Mm-hmm. But the people who have it are loyal, and they really want to support it, and that's what that's why it's doing well for for developers. But you're exactly right. Activision may not have interest in releasing something for it, mm-hmm. but an indie developer, it's definitely a viable way to go for sure. I was, I was, I, I literally have a brand new PlayStation Vita game coming from Japan tomorrow via DHL Uppers. I don't know if you've seen this mm. game, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a sequel. It's not like a sequel, but it's, um, it's kind of a, um, kind of a sequel to. Is it Concha Bancho or something like that that was on the PSP? Like this weird brawler. Um, game but yeah if you guys are if you're looking for a brawler which i'm hoping doesn't need a lot of japanese knowledge or actually zero <laughs> um look up this game called uppers it has a really cool art design it's worth checking out um Interesting. but yeah i mean i still i still love my vita and i i don't know if it's just because i like supporting the underdog or whatever but um or just portable games but yeah it's uh it's been cool like even um like sight unseen, uh, the last Drinkbox game that just came out um, severed. Uh, like sight unseen, bought it and mm. great reviews. Like everything that seems to come out seems to be getting great reviews, and the audience is still supporting that stuff, which is really uh, awesome to see. Um, but I, I'm worried that we're going to be running out of time, and someone's going to be coming to pick up a basketball hoop for me in, in a little bit. But um, I think this is going to be this is going to be like a start. Now that we can finally talk, and and, sure. and you know we can continue to have these these conversations, I think it'd be really cool to get you back on to to talk you know about games in the future if you're down, because you know you have that that you know that very specific. Uh, outlook on on these games and be able to kind of break these games down a little bit better than you know myself or like cj or or greg or whoever can do um but maybe the the thing that i'd like to finish up on is as as a gamer like what what games right now that are coming down the pipeline where we just had e3 so we had a bunch of games announced and stuff like that um what games are, are are you looking forward to or like the games outside of the you know nes classic edition that you're going to be uh like not pre-ordering but looking to pick up and, and and play in the the coming six months or so sure i mean first and foremost um no big surprise but no man's sky i'm definitely looking forward to um and i mean no man's sky is not an automatic win or an automatic well it's kind of an automatic buy but i'm not sold on it yet yeah it's a huge question mark exactly but the question mark is kind of exciting yeah totally and that's what makes the game interesting because yeah it's not a slam dunk by any means Mm -hmm. because in what they've shown even up until now although right now they're doing their final marketing push and they're putting out these videos with a lot more information they're explaining combat and they're explaining Mm -hmm. what this means which is good but for a long time like a good year and a half period that game was firmly this is awesome but what is it going to be? Mm-hmm. But that is still interesting in a kind of way. So as a developer, it's always been really interesting to me. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to for sure. Um, and I mean, like E3 is always a fun spectacle. It's always a time to get really psyched up about stuff. Yep. Um, 
Horizon Zero Dawn was probably one of the most impressive demos I saw and one of the things I'm looking forward to. Like, mm-hmm. I've never been a huge Killzone fan. And I actually, first Killzone game I played was Shadowfall on my PS4. Yeah. And I was like, this is all right. Yeah, it was totally uh, all right for a, for a launch game. It was a good looking game. It, it looked really good. Yeah. And like what Gorilla's doing uh, with uh, Horizon, it looks, it looks awesome. Like, yeah, they know how to push hardware, man. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, we definitely saw a big hardware push this year. Uh, and then the other thing, actually, the one game I'm guaranteed going to buy because I'm so excited for because it's the sequel to what remains my favorite Xbox One game is Forza Horizon 3. Oh, hell yeah. All right. We got another Forza Horizon fan. Let's go. Oh, Forza Horizon 2 is still my most played. I st- it's in my Xbox right now. Perfect. It's I don't have a ton of Xbox One games. I have like maybe five. Right. But. Man, I've played 100 hours of Horizon 2, and I'm psyched for Horizon 3. Well, I don't even know it's like that game and uh, just prepping people. Someone might come knocking on my door in a second. But the uh, that game is just a great piece. And I don't know how to best describe it, but it's just like the game is pure joy. Like it's a great driving game. Yeah. But it's just... It's just like in a rapper that is pure joy where you always feel like you're just having a great time and they set all these things up so like you feel like you're you know just part of a party the whole time which is it's really weird like Burnout Paradise did that kind of but this is on like a whole nother level and yeah again same thing Forza Horizon 3 no doubt got to pick Exactly that up. and it's just enough it's not into crazy arcade foolish driving land right but it's pulled back it's a little bit more it's eased up a little bit on that driving sim cuz like yeah. like I like I was a huge Gran Turismo fan at the beginning for like 1 and 2 and then actually up to 3 I was a huge Gran Turismo fan but then the first time I played Burnout Takedown by Criterion I was like, no, this is what I want racing games to be. And yeah. even Criterion got better at it as they went along. They inched closer to Sim. Mm-hmm. And like Forza Horizon to me is that absolute hyperbolic, perfect, not quite hitting perfect Sim, mm-hmm. and not, but it's still far enough away from an arcade racer. Because you're right, it's just fun. It's pure joy. So like that's my number one anticipated game this fall. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I think uh, we, we... Surprise, we're in agreement there. Um, I, I was thinking it was going to be like... You know, another. I was going to put you in a in a corner of like another Metroidvania game or something like that. Or <laughs> uh, you know, blood. I don't know if Bloodstains coming out this year or not, but I would totally. I'm totally looking forward to to that as well. Um, right. I backed it. Oh, of course, I backed for a hundred bucks. I, I can't I believe did I did. Too, I did actually. You got to get the I, soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm very excited. I'm glad that's coming along better than Mighty Number no. Nine. Okay, yeah, we're not. Which isn't the whole other conversation. Yeah, we won't. We will, we'll, we will table that for another another time. <laughs> but um, you know, Jason, it's great to talk to you. And, and I want to ask uh, for people that do want to keep up to date uh, with what's going on at household games. Um, you know, I guess a where's the best place for people to to stay up to date with what you guys have going on, and and b I guess you kind of mentioned it earlier, but um, when should people expect to kind of hear what what you guys have cooking? Sure. Um, right now, the best place is to follow us at HH Games Inc. Mm-hmm. Uh, please, right now, we're going to be making updates throughout the summer. Uh, we're going to be basically right now up until we have the game ready to show off, which is going to be in a couple months, I expect, around September. Um, before that, like I said, the big key feature about Household Games right now is the team. It's a strong team. It's a great team. And we're going to be doing a series of like uh, streams where we're going to have all the different team members on. They're going to be awesome. on our couch called the Couchcast. 
and we're going to have them speed running or let's playing their favorite games, talking about themselves. Rad. And then eventually we're going to transition that into like revealing and talking about what we're working on in a couple of months. But yeah, please follow for right now. And like, we're, we're just, I'm getting stuff every day from the content creators, <laughs> art, music, and it's blowing my mind. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to get it put together and we'll be showing it off definitely really soon. We're super psyched about it. And the cool thing is we already talked about it earlier in the show. It's Mick Kids too. <laughs> bring, it, bring, bring it back got exactly. the, uh, the the McDonald's has been weakening in their their power so that that license was really easy to pick up and I appreciate <laughs> you bringing those guys back and we can say McDonald's land one more time all right uh, McDonald's land yeah so uh, Jason thank you so much for for taking the time to to come on the show for everyone else out there don't forget you can check out back fitcast.network to get new shows and uh we didn't even get to talk about the Dreamcast. I mean, this is just we. This is what we did. We pulled over, Jason. We were on the summer Dreamcast. We just pulled over. We 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 talked about some some you know summer games done quick. We talked about development. We talked about the NES Classic Retro thing box, whatever Nintendo's doing. <laughs> uh, but now we're gonna get back on back on the road, back on the summer Dreamcast, and continue uh, down the road. Jason, thank you so much for taking the time. I can't wait to talk to you again. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. This has been really great. Thank you so much.